So we're going to be looking and carrying on the Advent series, but I wanted to start with a story, if that's all right. A different story. There's a game show contestant set to come back the next for more cash prizes. All he had to do was answer one last question. To be today's champion, the show's host said, name two of Santa's reindeers. The contestant, a man in his early 30s, gave a sigh of relief, gratified that he had drawn such a question. Rudolph, he announced, and Olive. The studio audience started to mumble, and the confused host replied, yes, well, we'll accept Rudolph. But can you explain Olive? The man gestured impatiently. You know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glowed. Olive the other reindeer. (laughs) Oh dear. No? I think that's a little bit, me and Jim are on a, on a level now, right? Brilliant. In a ditch. <laughs> Folks, it doesn't get any better than that. I'm sorry. So, uh, <laughs> we could be here all day. I've got a 4,000 word sermon here. It's on 20 pages. No, I'm joking. I haven't really. Um, we're looking at uh, waiting well today and it involves... It involves Mary. Uh, we looked at a little bit about Elizabeth. There's a few days coming up in the Radiant Dawn on, on this story. Uh, and, you know, you can look at it from different perspectives and you'll see that throughout the, the readings uh, this week. But I want to start in the book of Mark, in chapter 13, verses 32 to 36. And it says this, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, and he puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. We look at back at, we're looking back at Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the ascension when he went up to heaven. And we look forward with hope and expectation for the day of his return. Mark says, we don't know when that will be. Nobody knows except the Father. So that in some ways makes us a people of waiting. We're waiting for Jesus' return when we will be with him. I don't know about you. But I want to wait well. 
And in fact, the Bible tells us that we are called as a people to wait well, to stay awake, to be ready. And this is where we go with Mary now in Luke. We get a picture of that kind of faithful waiting from Mary. And the lyrics of the song, should we ask Lee what it's called? <laughs> I've been told not to put, ask you, Lee. Cause <laughs> and Mary's right in the middle of one of the, the greatest events in human history. And she's a poor working class servant girl engaged to a poor working class carpenter. Mary probably, she would have been a teenager for sure. But she is hoping in God. She's a God-fearing Jew. She's waiting for the day when righteousness will return to the land. Waiting for the day when God comes and executes justice on the Roman Empire. She knows the prophecies that uh, Lee spoke about. She knows what God has done. But she's waiting for what God will do. In Luke uh, chapter 1 verses 30 to 33 we, we read this. Do not be afraid Mary. For you have found favour with God. And behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you should call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You can imagine Mary, she's probably taken aback because the angel of the Lord has appeared. Uh, Please help me understand, I'm a virgin. How is this possible? The angel goes on to say, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And in actual fact, your relative Elizabeth has never been able to have kids, has conceived in her old age. Nothing is impossible for God. So Mary goes off to see Elizabeth. Both of them pregnant. In miraculous ways. Mary a virgin. We know what that means. And Elizabeth an older woman. They commune. They have fellowship together. And marvel. At how good and how great God is. And then Mary opens her voice. In that, in that time of marveling. Of how great. How wonderful. How good God is. And she sings a song from her heart. That has waited well. She waited well because she she was God's servant. And she knows that God is her saviour. And now she's caught up in God's story. Verse 46 says. And this is the song. And Mary said. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in 
God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Mary is God's servant. But just think about her circumstances for a moment. She's a teenage pregnant virgin engaged to be married to a man who at least knows the baby is not his. When I thought about it, I, I, these are not necessarily the words that would come out of my mouth in that situation. It's an awful lot to worry about. But we are called to be awaiting people. And in our waiting, not one of us as Christians waits with empty hands. Every single one of us here today has been given things by God. God has given you your job. He's given you gifts. He's given people in your life. Given you responsibilities. He's most certainly given you, given you talents. Some of you may not know what your talents are, but God has given them to you. And the circumstances you're in right now have also been given to you by God. But we can view these things in two ways. First of all, we can look at it as we are God's servants and we are stewards of what he's given us. God, this is yours. Lord, my job is yours. My family is yours. The circumstances I am in right now are yours. Help me to steward them well. Help me represent you well. With the backdrop of prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The other way to view the things that we've been given is to say that we are God. And that we expect to be served by what has been given because we falsely believe that we have earned it or that we are entitled to it. These people exist for me. This job exists for me. My plans exist for me. So my kingdom come. My will be done. I'll try and create all of this on earth. And have this self-indulgent version of heaven. And then that's what I'm waiting for. But Mary says, I'm God's servant. She chooses the first option. Her heart says, I'm God's. If we look at her, her song, it's missing fear. It's missing worry. Because she knows who she is in God. When we say we are God, we look at the things that God has given us 
as things that exist to serve us. We don't live for the day when we have all we want. We live for the day when we lose what we have. And we can be haunted by it. It's impossible to go through the Advent story. Well, I'll go through Advent and the Christmas story without mentioning Herod. I've done a bit of reading about Herod this week. Man, it's quite fascinating. Herod wasn't a Jew. But he was appointed by Rome as the king of the Jews. And he was a man that didn't believe in God. He believed he was God. And he built his kingdom through violence, bribery and oppression. And as a result, he lived his life terrified of the day when he could lose it all. So he was called to a meeting with uh, Augustus, the emperor of Rome. He had no idea what the meeting was about. So he ordered that his wife be executed while he's gone. Because he couldn't stand the thought of her remarrying if something happened to him. This guy is next level crazy. So he survives. She's killed. He returns home. He misses her so much that he goes insane. Towards the end of his life, he had three of his sons killed because he was worried that they would take his throne while he's still alive. You know the wise men in the story? Went to Herod. And they said, we're here to worship the king of the Jews. And Herod said, you're looking at him. And they're like, no, no, no. They're the one the Bible talks about. We saw the star. We've come to worship a baby in Bethlehem. So terrified of this day that's just come. Says to the army, go and kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem. Would have been 20 to 30 baby boys. It's crazy. This guy is mad. Outside of the Bible, what history says about this man is fascinating to read. He died in Jericho, unlamented by his family. What a tragic life. He's doing it to me, isn't it? I told him how to wear this and it's not working. It's my glasses. That's it, dodgy ears. Yeah. <laughs> he was given so much. He had so many gifts, so much power, so much authority. But he was so driven by fear and idolatry. Not only did he lose what he couldn't keep, but he missed eternity in the process. There's a danger in our waiting. 
to look at what God has entrusted to us. And instead of living as a servant or a steward, we live waiting and living in fear of what we could lose. Mary sang that song and she sang it in faith instead of cowering in fear. God has done great things for you and me. Our lives have meaning and purpose because of it. God loves us. He looks upon us with that love and He cares for us. Roy, God has done great things for you. Your life has a meaning and a purpose. Same for you, Evie. Same thing. God done great things for you. Our lives. Your life has a meaning and a purpose. God isn't finished with you. Tony, your life has purpose and meaning. Aaron, your life has meaning and a purpose because of God's love for you. Even when you're in your humble state, your addicted state, your rebellious and sinful state, He turns towards you and He saves you and me by grace through faith, through Mary's Son, Jesus. When we have that kind of heart posture, and we say, I am who I am because of what God has done for me. I am who I am because of what God has done for me. We can wait well. What trips us up in our waiting is when we think, I am who I am because of what I've done for God. I am who I am because of what I've done for others. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. From now on, they'll call me blessed. Not because of what I have done, but because of what God has done for me. A holy God, who is my Savior and has looked on me with love. The song starts to shift a little bit in verse 50. So she sang about magnifying the Lord, that she's God's servant and God is her saviour. And that she's caught up in God's story. She goes on to say and sing, And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. 
And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She was living in a world where there was so much power and so much wealth, so much might. And the Bible, let's be clear, is not saying that wealth is sinful. What the Bible is saying is that those who have much money and much power combined with pride can lead to oppression and violence. The true story of the world is that Jesus Christ is the true Lord of the world. And because of this, a switch, a reversal has begun. And she's telling that story. The rich are made empty while the hungry are filled. That's a switch. It's a reversal. It's a change. She says that the exalted are humbled and the humbled are exalted. The Herods of this world will be brought low and the Marys of this world will be lifted up and that the poor are filled. Interestingly, she sings that song. And what happens? She kept on being poor in the natural. She didn't go to the greatest maternity ward in the world. She gave birth to Jesus in a stable, barn, whatever you want to. She lives the first three years of Jesus' life running away from Herod. But she was filled with the presence of God. He was her everything. And I just wonder whether she came back to that song. It's not recorded in, in Scripture. But in times of trouble, did she come back to that song? Most of you know, we, you know we, we try and do a bit of worship. We try and sing. I'm not, I'm not the greatest singer in the world, but my soul wants to magnify the Lord and worship God. But I'm not a natural singer. I'm not a natural songwriter. But there are certain songs that I go to in my life when I need it. And I see a few heads nodding. So I'm reckoning that a few of you have probably got a song, go-to couple of songs that you just need when time gets tough. But it doesn't have to be a worship song. It, it might be something else. Oops, upside your head. I don't know, man. You just do all that stuff on the floor. And, but it might be. But there's something about praise and worship songs that takes the focus off of ourselves and puts it on Jesus. And what does that do? That elevates the, the, the head and everything. It takes the focus off of ourselves, off of our circumstances, and fixes solely on Jesus. And your soul can magnify the Lord. Mary lived a faithful life was someone who was marked with the confidence in what God had done for her and what God will do. 
What would your life look like in your waiting, in your walk with God, if you had a song like that, that gets you caught up in God's story? No matter what's going on in your life, something that could sustain you through those tough times, the difficulties of the highs and the lows, those mountains and valleys. Every single one of us in this room is in a different place of waiting right now. Some of you walked in today and that change, that switch, that reversal feels really close to you. There's lots on the tip of your tongue to, that you want to celebrate. You've walked in and you've sung, you've prayed. You didn't know who was preaching and you were eager to hear God's word and then you found out it was me. But you were still there. For some of you, that change, that reversal, that switch feels really far away. You might have come in, you might be grieving, disappointed. You've sung some songs, you tried to pray, but you used up all of your courage just to get through the door. Sin might have beaten you up, circumstance might have beaten you up, yourself, you might have beaten yourself up. But you made it here. And today, on the 8th of December, 2019, this is the mechanism that God is using for you to be caught up in God's story. You might be sitting there thinking, well, he's not talking about me. It can't be me. I'm not good enough. Don't listen to those lies. Don't listen to the enemy. He's a fraud. Counterfeit. Jesus is so much kinder to you than that. We're his servants. We're his sons and daughters. He is our saviour. And he's inviting all of us to get caught up in that story. He is strong enough to handle even the strongest doubt. And it's only in his story that our sorrow can be turned to joy. That we can have a hope, we can have a future. And we're all invited. So let us wait well. Let's wait for that day when our souls sing, we will magnify. My soul magnifies the Lord. You look on me with love. You save me. Perhaps God saved you when you were a child. Perhaps you got saved in later years. Perhaps you're not saved yet. You don't know Jesus. 
love to introduce you to Jesus. He changed my life and many, many other people sitting in this room. I got caught up in his story, 1993. Changed my life. And I haven't looked back since. Sometimes I struggle to wait well. I'm not going to lie and stand up here and say I'm the world's greatest waiter. Not in the sense of serving food. But this is the reality. I'm walking out a walk with Jesus. And he's saying to all of us today, let us learn to wait well. And who'd have thought it's so easy to skim over a lot of this, what we kind of call the Christmas story. We can skim over it. These little bits. Because we want to get to the the birth of Jesus, the frankincense, the gold and the myrrh. And, and here we have Mary. This is a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. And I've just looked at one angle of it. And you'll see, for those of you that are reading Radiant Dawn, some other other thoughts on it this week. It's fantastic. God wants you to get caught up in his story today. And to wait well. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we want to just say thank you for loving us. Lord, and saving us from our sin. Lord, and throughout this month, Lord, we, we look and celebrate your birth. Lord, and remember that Christmas, this season is all about you. Lord, but beyond that, all life is about you. Lord Jesus, we, we long for the day of your return. Lord, I pray that by your Spirit you would surround us, Lord. You would, Lord, teach us to wait well as your servants. Lord, to say that you are our Savior. That we would go out to tell people the good news. Lord, that we would be excited about getting into your word. Lord, that we would be caught up in your story again. But we want to wait well. But we want to say that we love you. Lord, you are everything. Amen.